to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. I know, but it's February, but no one is expecting a best of 2022 in February. And that's why we keep you on your toes and we keep you listening week after week. Top it five media five to analyze the whole year and balance it against itself. And not like if something came out on the 26th, we don't give it short shrift kids. We took the time. We, we mm-hmm. put in the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look forward to our Valentine's day episode sometime yeah. around April. Yeah. My wife always does. <laughs> All right, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Now, in media, I, I basically was like games, video games, TV, movies, music, I guess, if you have music in there. But this isn't books or comic books or anything like that. Aww. Yeah, I, I thought about doing one of each, but my between, uh, you know, still worrying about COVID and, and just kind of not getting a lot of time to have like long sit down periods. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch a lot of movies last year. And I've so only got I figured, one on my list, even though I watched a yeah. lot. I, there's only one on my list. So I figured I'll just do, you know, start looking through things that came out last year and pick out the ones that I like the most. So okay. my number five <laughs> is a video game, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Nice. Um, this is a game that is an absolute gem it takes the classic arcade beat-em-ups um like teenagers and ninja turtles and turtles in time and distills the gameplay adds to it makes it a little bit more complex and also makes it sort of make sense for a home console Mm -hmm. um i i've enjoyed playing it by myself and i enjoyed playing it with other people it really is like if you like beat-em-ups um and feel that some of the ones out there are either too complex or or you know it's it's hard to like figure out the moves um you can get pretty far on uh knit to to on uh shredded revenge by either button mashing or or learning pretty simple combos um so i definitely recommend it to anyone who you know who has a uh, hasn't played anything since the original ninja turtles or like final fight or whatever mm-hmm. if you're not want to get back into it this is really the game to Does do it Does it feel with. like the old arcade the the 90s arcade stuff uh it does except it's smoother right so like there was you know some like hit detection kind of stuff Mm -hmm. with with the old one and you know that thing where like a character walks in front of another and like their pixels get like yeah like shorted out yeah the others yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so none of that right this is all current generation uh technology but making a game that uh, very much ha- is is like faithful to that retro feel. Mm-hmm. Very cool, Matthew. What did you have for your number five? My number five is actually a film. Um, and I oddly, during the last couple of three years, have watched more movies than before. Part of that is so many of them are available to me because we have every streaming service. Um, my my wife was told you don't have to go to work anymore in like the early part of 2019 and so she never leaves the house but she has invested in a lot of streaming services so we got the peacock we got the flip-flop we got the hip-hop we got we got everything we got all of the streaming services and on one of the streaming services somehow uh my kid decided that they wanted to watch a horror movie that they had seen in the theaters but specifically with dad because throughout 2018 and 2019 we were in a let's watch horror movies together. And so I sat down with an 18 year old child to watch 
ex, uh, T West's, um, I don't know if I would call it a loving, um, sort of uh, take on the slasher films of old, but it's first of all, not the kind of movie that you necessarily want to watch with your children because the plot is, it basically starts with, we're going to go and make a porno movie in the year 1979. And so the first half of the movie has a lot of stuff in it that you're just like, boy, that sure is my child on the other end of the couch. And then it gets into some really horrific stuff and it gets to the point where we were we were talking about the movie afterwards you know uh, they have a letterbox account and we usually talk about the film and and our feedback and apparently when they saw the movie in theaters they went with a friend the friend saw a certain sequence didn't feel good went out to the men's room and passed out in the men's room he he was that upset by a sequence in the film and I get it because this movie has really, really realistic blood effects. It has a lot of gore. It has a lot of things that I never expected. And it has some beautiful use of Blue Oyster Cult. But most of all, it has Mia Goth. And I'm now officially going to watch everything that Mia Goth is in. Uh, it's also got Jenna Ortega, who everybody loves as the Wednesday. But if you haven't seen this movie, first of all, I'm going to need to see your ID. Second of all, I feel like you should see it. But my main advice to you is don't necessarily watch it unless you're like really, really sure that you're going to be able to sit comfortably with your offspring as a porn movie unfolds on the screen. It was awkward, guys. It was really awkward. And it was kind of, you know, almost a relief when the, when the stabbing began. But X, my number five, really, really good movie. Okay. Uh, my number five is a board game. It is Zombicide Dead Alive, which uh, was kickstarted uh, like two years ago, something like that. Uh, but they finally were able to ship it in 2022. It arrived at my door, I want to say October, November-ish. And I was able to sit down and play it a couple of times by myself because uh, nobody else in the family wants to play really difficult games that are hard to explain. Uh, I wouldn't say Zombicide is super hard to explain, but it is got a low win ratio, uh, at least with me and my understanding that a lot of people do not have a high uh, win ratio with Zombicide because at some point in the game, as you are leveling up, because you've killed zombies, as you try to reach your missions and goals, uh, even more zombies come pouring out from everywhere and uh, you can very quickly be inundated with uh, with really a bunch of creepy crawlies. The thing I like about Dead Alive, I've got, um, it's one of the medieval ones. I think it's a green, green something. Um, I have that one and I enjoyed that one fine. But the thing that sold me on Zombicide Dead or Alive is this one is set in the Old West. So everything is themed Old Western. So you've got heroes that are straight out of Old West uh, uh, tropes. You've got zombies that are in various stages of decay and I just love mashing up Old West and zombies. The only thing that this game was missing was ninjas. That's a call out to uh, uh, an old episode of the Major Spoilers podcast from like 2008. So you can go check that out. Uh, but uh, the best part about this is the Kickstarter has a bunch of expansions that were included. So you pay more, you get all these expansions. Hmm. The craziest one that I that I just fell in love with was the steampunk expansion. Because it has a Doc Brown and a Marty McFly character 
in it where Marty is literally flying on a hoverboard uh, skateboard and uh, the doc character has a big ass uh, long shotgun, just like in Back to the Future 2, 3, whatever that was. There was only one, one really good Back to the Future. But just being able yeah, to play an Old West version of Zombicide really just hit a great spot for me. And I enjoyed playing this. I, you know, I played it a couple of times, but it definitely as far as all the board games that I that I purchased or that were released in 2022, Zombicide Dead Alive was by far my favorite. OK, so now we are moving into our number four. Matthew, what do you have for number f- four? And then we'll get to Rodrigo. We'll bounce oh, him around swapping. a little bit. We're swapping out. We're swapping yeah, we're going to swap them okay. out. I wasn't prepared. I'm totally unprepared. So here's the thing. Um. Whereas Steven is like on the bleeding edge and likes to be a first adopter, I kind of like to be a person who takes uh, the the path of, of least resistance in life. So a lot of times I let other people sort of go in and see if something sucks before I really want to be a part of it. And so when everyone was talking and just absolutely raving about the first season of this particular show, I was like, huh. Someday I'll have to check this out. I mean, you know, I like Steve Zahn and I like uh, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and I like some of the characters. And then uh, I happened to be, as I often do, just sort of watching television on a Saturday night and I saw Aubrey Plaza and I watched an episode of The White Lotus season two. And it just so happened that that next morning, which would have been a Sunday, they ran a complete marathon of the full season of the white Lotus. And so on a Sunday, rather than watching Gilligan's Island or, you know, my normal, you know, stuff that I do instead, I watched the entire season of white Lotus just all at once in a, just a run as a, like one big, I think eight hour movie. And it was fabulous. And it was really kind of scary and off-putting and weird and wonderful. And it had large swaths that were spoken entirely in Italian, like whole chunks of story where there were no English-speaking characters. And I loved it. And we got to the end, and the thing that happened happens. And that thing was devastating to me. You know, we're what? eight, seven, eight episodes of this show. And I was so invested in the character that when the thing in the thing actually happens, I was, I was crushed, man. I wasn't necessarily in tears, but I was like, maybe, you know, sniffling back a little bit and you get to the end of this. And there's so many wonderful arcs for all of the characters and so much really cool acting that I'm like, I'm going to go watch season one, season one, not as good. But it does have a man uh, taking uh, a number two in a suitcase belonging to another man. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. But if you get a chance to watch season two of The White Lotus taking place in Sicily, I recommend it. I think you should sit down, you should watch it, and you should really enjoy seeing a character go from being played entirely for stupid laughs to being one of the most tragic figures you're going to see all day. All right, Rodrigo, what is your number four best media of 2022? Uh, my number four is going to go to Marvel Snap. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot all about that. Oh, man, that's yeah. definitely got to be on my almost rands then. How much fun is Marvel Snap, you guys? I personally love Smash Up. Um, and uh, Marvel Snap 
very much uses that technology to uh, create a game that is a lot faster than Smash Up, definitely. Um, and uh, that allows you to play multiple games in just minutes, right? It, uh, a, a game of Marvel Snap is so quick. You can find yourself playing dozens or hundreds of games um, in the time that it would take you to uh, resolve a few things in Magic the Gathering. Um, I haven't gotten to play it as much as I wanted to, but um, I still recognize that at least initially the the system and the idea is good. I think what's really going to tell us if if Marvel Snap can last is expansions, right? And mm-hmm. um, if they need to go back and tweak the original rules of the game to allow for expansions, or if they can actually build expansions that still continue to work in that like very tight uh, set of gears that, that, that Marvel Snap has. Yeah, the most recent thing that just launched, and I haven't got a chance to try it out. In fact, I haven't played Marvel Snap in probably a month. Um, is the battle mode where now I can play Rodrigo directly. Right. And so uh, I'm very excited about, about that so that we can actually go out and play with friends in this game. So that, that'll be a lot of fun to see how that, how that works. So very cool. All right. Uh, my number four is a TV series. It was back when I had HBO max. I currently do not subscribe to the series, but I really got a kick out of, uh, James Gunn's peacemaker. Uh, it has, you know, a character from a movie and after the movie ended, uh, the suicide squad is like, okay, well, how are they going to do this now? How are they going to continue to tell this, you know, horrible characters story? And they did it very, very well by introducing the James Gunn quirkiness, uh, quirky characters that you expect a good dose of humor and, you know, sophomoric or juvenile humor, uh, spread throughout, but then it really hits, you know, to the heart of what makes peacemaker and all of the other characters tick usually it is some uh, family issue interpersonal issue with family that kind of thing and i really found out that i thought the story was going to go in one direction and by the end i was like no this is this went in a way that i wasn't expecting and i really really enjoyed it a lot uh i think they you know it may not be to everyone's taste because ooh, that's not how peacemakers look in your comic books uh but that's okay it was an enjoyable story and it was an enjoyable time, and I enjoyed watching it week after week. It was one of the uh, TV shows that when I knew there was a new episode out, I set aside a part of my day to make sure that I saw it as soon as I could. So Peacemaker on HBO Max, uh, there is a second season, but it's not going to be coming for a while. Instead, they're going to uh, kind of continue it in the Amanda Waller uh, series, which is the spinoff of Peacemaker. So we've got that coming up, I believe, in late 2023, early 2024, and then hopefully Peacemaker after that. But Peacemaker definitely earns a spot as one of the best pieces of media of 2022. Completely forgot about I love that show. Yeah. Uh, my number three is one that is an Apple TV original. And I know a lot of people are like, what's an Apple TV original? Well, if you have an Apple device, you have access to Apple TV and uh, their series of originals. And one of the best television shows that came out in 2022 is Severance. If you don't know what Severance is about, it is about, it's really, I, I see it as a dark comedy in a lot of ways, but a lot of people don't see it that way. But uh, for those people who survived uh, Kevin's game of uh, drifters on Starfinder, will find this very interesting. The premise is this company, Lumon, uh, or Lumen, 
has figured out a way to implant a chip into your head so that uh, Matthew Peterson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when he's not doing nine to five job is living his Matthew Peterson life. But the minute he goes into work, his Matthew Peterson persona gets switched off and it's replaced with uh, Matthew P. And Matthew P has no memory or knowledge of the outside world. All they know is that I'm here uh, in this place to do work and mm-hmm. I do the work. <laughs> so and at the end of the day, and then, at the, well, but see, at the end of the day, Matt, Matthew P gets in the elevator to go home. But instead of having eight hours of blackness or whatever, the elevator doors open back up and it is the next day and you're going right back to work. Oh, yeah. That sounds terrible. It is depending on which character you are in the severance television series. There are four main characters that we follow. Each of them has a different reaction and a different reason for wanting to be in the severed program. And as the story progresses, it, it just gets darker and more disturbing. And you start to see the greater conspiracy um, uh, revealed. And it is so good. The cliffhanger for season one is when this originally launched and I was watching it live, I was literally on the edge of my seat screaming what is going to happen next. And it was just phenomenal. I I sat down and watched it again uh, last week and I was still drawn into every bit of, of the, of the show. Nine episodes in the first season, season two comes out this year. It's got a bunch of comedians in very dramatic roles, which I think is, is very uh, interesting. Adam Scott is in that. Uh, uh, Zachary Cherry, uh, Britt Lauer, uh, and a bunch more. And one of the best roles, John Turturro is in that as, as Irving, but one of the best ones that's really surprising is Christopher Walken as, as Bert G. Uh, the relationship between John Turturro and Christopher Walken's character is just fantastic. So if you don't have an Apple TV, hey, here's a good chance for you to go and get an Apple TV because you're going to be able to sit down and watch all of the episodes of Severance uh, without having to wait week to week. And then you'll say, gosh, darn, that certainly was one of the best television shows that came out in 2022. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three? Uh, My number three is uh, Werewolf by Night. (gasps) Guys, how, oh, the TV show! How fun! How fun was Werewolf by Night? That's so fun. The the special, the Marvel special presentation. Oh, that one. Okay. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about why I liked Werewolf by Night, and it's it's really two things. One, it's a very film kids uh, film. <laughs> Right, it's got uh, like homage to the classic Universal monsters. It's got homage to like film itself. Um, It's like a classic um, horror story. Uh, But but also, um, it so that's reason one. Reason two is that it um, has room. Uh, Part of what has kind of. not necessarily soured me on the MCU, but made it a little bit harder to get excited about things is that as more things happen in the MCU, there's less room for new things to happen in the MCU. Um, anytime you're like, you know, when we get to Shang-Chi and it's like, ah, there's this like immortal warlord that has always been around and they're like, but, but no, because like, we've already learned about everything that was already around. So, what was this guy doing during that time, right? So 
it it makes things more complicated. But World by Night is a small story. It allows us to look at a place where things can still happen and there's still room for characters to move around and do things and change things. Um, and also, uh, Ted is in it. So, yes, I, uh, revelation. Yep. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, you know, it, it's both things. It like makes me excited to have something that is not heavily tied to the MCU. But also, when you look at what's coming in the MCU and the introduction of Ted, then you can see like well there's a place for ted in the in the larger conversation right so that's interesting it's exciting i liked it a lot very cool there's a place for ted matthew what do you have for your for your number three my number three um probably should have been peacemaker which i enjoyed a little bit more than my number three that i chose but there were two things that really stuck with me uh the first was I hate evil Superman stories. Hate them, hate them, hate them. I will hate them, hate them, hate them till they box them up and crate them. But there is a way to make a story like that palatable. And I really hate Garth Ennis's comic book series, The Boys. Um, I started out excited. I got annoyed. I got angry. And I hate read the last third of The Boys. And I said to myself, God, at least they'll never make a live-action version of this claptrap. So my number three is the live-action version of that claptrap, specifically specifically season three of The Boys. Um, And I don't know if you guys have watched it, but season three of The Boys is the one that actually finds its footing. Season one tried too hard to not be the comic. Season two tried to write the ship by being the comic. Season three said, you know, F the comic and did something really exciting. They made me care about an evil Superman character. They made me care about what he did. And it finally established that in the ways that matter, these characters have the same heart, the same things that I liked about the first, I'm going to say 10 to 15 issues of The Boys, where it was really a weird character-driven piece and it hadn't quite gone to the point of you know individually stabbing each superhero archetype right in the eye. And they took the most disgusting and honestly unacceptable portion of the boys uh which is the hero gasm event where all of the superheroes take a week off and have an orgy and they made it first of all relevant they made it motivated they put it in a story that actually not only took that evil superman but pitted him against an evil Captain America and did a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, elbow you in the arm about people on the internet arguing about what's better Marvel or DC movies and put it all together into something where I'm really, really looking forward to the fourth. And I think final season of the boys, if you hated the comic, please know that this cannot go where the comic did. There's no way for it to happen. The changes that they have made, have nerfed the end of the comic, which is great because the end of the comic is one of the things that makes me want to, you know, just find somebody and, and, and just punch and punch and punch. But if you hated the comics, definitely check this out. If you've never read the comics, don't, but check this out. The boys season three, I feel like 
for one major reason, and his name is Anthony Starr, and he plays evil Superman, but he also plays a certain high-ranking government official in a very obvious way and does it in a way that you love him and you you appreciate him and you kind of you get where he's coming from, even though you also hate him. Uh, let's uh, now get to our number twos. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, my number two is was a toss up, and and it, it was because I I really enjoyed uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so I thought, hey, I should put a Pokemon game on here. <laughs> um, but then I remembered that same year, at the beginning of the year, Pokemon Legends Arceus came out, and Pokemon Legends Arceus is um, a very interesting game. Because your perception of it will be different depending on how entrenched into Pokemon games you are. Um, if you don't care about Pokemon games and look at Pokemon Legends Arceus, it's really not doing anything that hasn't been done before in other games. Um, other than maybe have you know, other than having the. Um, the built-in catching and battling or, or battling mechanics that Pokemon has. Um, it's really uh, n- not much to look at. Like the, the graphics aren't particularly good and the gameplay is a, a combination of things that have always existed or have existed since like the PS2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are into Pokemon, it is a revelation because it is Game Freak, the company that puts out Pokemon, trying new things, which it kind of hasn't done since like 2003. Um, that's not true. They do try new things, but it is. It, it was. It was such a departure from the direction in which Pokemon games are going that in a lot of ways it kind of circles back around and is weirdly both a departure and a return to form um, because it makes catching Pokemon interesting and makes filling your Pokedex interesting. It has built in um, all of the things that are automatic in other Pokemon games take work in Arceus which you would think is annoying, but actually there's like rich mines of gameplay to be, uh, to, to, to get to in, in those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, also it's a time traveling story and it's a, um, it's kind of an isekai. So it was a real surprise and a real pleasant surprise. I really don't have too many complaints about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, and it was uh, you, you know, Scarlet and Violet came out later that year, and that is a, a full uh, open world game, right? Um, and but but both of those games were sort of developed uh, around the same time, right? The, the the development of those games overlapped. So I'm very I'm much more interested in whatever the main Pokemon game that comes out next is going to be to see if they incorporate more of Arceus into that and obviously lessons that they got from uh, Scarlet and Violet as well Mm. Um, but yeah as far as like enjoyment and and a different play experience Pokemon Legends Arceus is really where it was at for me 
Very nice. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number two? My number two is something that I always feel like I need to be careful about uh, for two reasons. One, it's hard to discuss without giving away a lot of the bits and pieces of the mystery in play. And second, and I think this is most important for me and only me, interpersonally speaking, uh, it allows Stephen to say, I told you it was good because it's only murders in the building season two. Um, I watched, we actually watched all of season one in the space of about a week and a half, maybe. And if you know the family's viewing schedule, you'll know that that's just unheard of. But we watched through that and then we got into season two and season two, episode one was like, hey, this is an awesome thing that's happening. And then episode two, the child was like, man, I'm bored. I'm really sad at how bored I am. And then season three or episode three rather kicked in and it's like, oh, oh, I'm back. And from that point on, it was just reveal after weird reveal. And there were some twists in there that I actually saw coming, unlike the first one when I got nothing. But it got to the end where I'm like, I am 100% certain that I know exactly what happened in this murder mystery. And I was about 50%, 45% correct, um, which is also in its own way very satisfying. But if you have not seen Only Murders in the Building, please know that it is entirely held up by the chemistry between Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And uh, the child actually said the other day while we were washing dishes that she wanted to see them since Chevy is no longer in play uh, for being, you know, Chevy wants to see uh, the three of them revamp the three amigos uh, mm-hmm. in, in their seventies with, you know, Selena as a new character. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Did they yep, we need now all three of them were on Saturday night live this past year. I don't know if they did a routine like that or not. I, you I, might have to go and check. I didn't watch the last one. I saw the previous one where Marty and Steve were on as hosts and Selena kept popping up, but it did not have a three amigos, at least to my knowledge, a three amigos bit. But I'm telling you just the magic of two second city people and the girl who, you know, learned how to act on Disney, wonderful stuff. And of course there is a running uh, kind of a subplot about a character who uh, is deaf and reads lips. And uh, throughout the whole show, I was like trying to figure out what it was about Selena and the way that she talks. And I finally come down to, you know, Selena has just a little, it's not a speech impediment, but she has a little bit of, of a pathology and she doesn't really open her mouth when she speaks. And so there's a sequence where she's playing against the deaf character. And it's a really this dramatic reveal and they cut to him and he's like, I didn't get a word of what you just said. And I laughed and the child laughed and everyone else in the room was puzzled. And we explained why we laughed and everyone in the room was still puzzled. So just know that it works as a show. It works as a comedy. It works as a mystery. It also works if you're a couple of speech pathology slash voice nerds uh, who really need to get out more. And so definitely check it out. Okay. Uh, my number two is a movie. It's the only movie on my list. Yeah. Uh, it is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which came oh out in God. March of uh, 2022. And I had seen a lot of previews for it before it hit the the theaters. 
Uh, I knew it would never come to our theater because our movie theater is not cool enough to have an A24 film uh, in it. Um, And so I was anxiously awaiting the day that it dropped on digital. And sure enough, the day that it dropped on digital, I may have not shown up to work uh, because I wanted to watch this movie. And I sat down and watched it and was blown away, not just because of the multiverse aspect of it, but because of the meta text that's involved in it the absurdity that's involved in it, the questions on what is the meaning of life and existentialism and nihilism that goes throughout the entire piece. Uh, I just loved it top to bottom. Uh, Now, I will say I only watched it the one time digitally, but I would say every two or three days, I just stop and I think about that movie from a lot of different from a lot of different points of views. Like, was Wayman right to do what he did? Was you know, was Michelle Yeoh's character right in doing what she did? Was the daughter right in doing what they did? And just really analyzing and just thinking about all of these characters and their arcs and what they did or didn't do that either moved the story along or hindered uh, the growth of characters, depending on which version of those characters they are. And if I'm spending almost a year thinking about that movie, then it's got to be a really good movie. And so everything everywhere all at once Hits my number two spot and it's the only movie on the list. And I'm really hoping that when it comes to the Academy Awards, that it also wins all of the awards there, because I think it is rightfully deserving of that. So there you go. It's amazing in that there is no right or no wrong answer. I love that movie so much. Rodrigo, what do you even should be on my list? I'm mad. uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one? We've reached the top of our lists. We're excited about our number ones. Our listeners are excited about our number ones. Our patrons, our patrons are excited about our number ones. And if you enjoy the show and want to see it continue throughout 2023 so that we can have a top five media of 2023, then all you need to do is head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up like at the silver level. That's probably the best bang for your buck where you get access to a bunch of bonus content and additional material that you don't get at uh, the lower tier five bucks a month. For all of this fun entertainment, whether it's the top five that we do or the top five board game stuff that Dan Patris does uh, on the on the show, uh, it's all good and your support is greatly appreciated. So now, without further ado, Rodrigo, what do you have in your number one spot for the top five media of 2022? Uh, yeah, so um, 2022 had a lot of stuff that ended up being good that I didn't expect to like. I didn't expect to like Peacemaker, and I definitely didn't expect to like Andor, uh, which is my number one. Andor is uh, also my I, number one. Oh, okay. Uh, but I did like it, uh, mainly because it is... Uh, like, you guys remember the 90s, right? Vaguely. Um, yeah, so uh, back in the 90s, really the late 80s, uh, but but the 90s was was big on this. There was this idea that, like, you know, X, Y, or Z property wasn't realistic, right? It was too cutesy-cutesy or too for kids or whatever, and we have to make it realistic. And the way to make it realistic was to, like, put, like, more guns in it mm-hmm. um, or more spikes in it or to have characters die, Um and it was a very superficial way of making something seem more adult, right? Making something uh, that was originally for kids, for grown-ups, and really what they ended up doing is just making a lot of making a lot of new kids media that was too spiky. Um, Andor is one of the few times that I've seen somebody 
set out to be like, hey, uh, what if there was a Star Wars for grownups? Um, and having it actually work. Um, Andor is slow. It's um, kind of a, a slow burn. And it uh, also, by its existence, sort of like extends and complements uh, all the previous media that it draws from, mainly, you know, Rogue One, but also the prequel movies. Um, when uh, and of course the 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 original movies as well, where you say like, well, um, they made uh, this little movie called Star Wars, and they called the guys stormtroopers. So what does that mean? And Andor answers the question: What like how does fascism take over, and what does it do? Um, what compromises do people need to make in? A an authoritarian state to combat the authoritarian state, um, and uh, also, can we find a better role for Andy Circus than mm-hmm. Snoke? Yeah, uh, and or you're you're right. It's a slow burn, and the reason why it's a slow burn is because it's four movies. It's mm-hmm. four separate movies. Each movie is three episodes, and each of those episodes tell a complete story. Whether it is Cashin and or uh, kind of figuring out what's going on and kind of being drawn into this conflict, whether it's a big heist movie, because the second uh, the second uh, arc is a big heist. The third is a prison break film. And then the fourth one is a revolution film. And the it is it is so good. Uh, Rogue One is one of, of the current and I will say the the new not the original trilogy, but of the new Star Wars films. Rogue One is one of my favorite films. And sure. so uh, to see Cash and Andor get a prequel, by the way, you know, we know how it's going to end. He's going to die. Um, you, you know, to see his evolution from somebody that's just like, I don't want any part of this. I'm up to some no good stuff every once in a while. Uh, and right. then being drawn in to the point where, you know, uh, it's time to to take a stand and time to decide what side I'm going to be on and not just be a, a rogue or a smuggler. I'm going to be part of this thing that they're calling the resistance is is just an amazing arc and i was talking about this the other day because again this is another one that i just watched again recently all the way through is i can't tell whether i like episode 10 which is the moment that all the characters realize that there is no hope for them and they have to do whatever it takes to get out of the prison mm-hmm. spoiler alert uh, or if it is the final episode where you see the hologram of Cashin's adopted mother, who's just like, burn this mother effer to the ground. Um, I don't know which of those two is the best episode in the series, but if you kind of want a vibe for, you know, not only the feelings of the 1970s when there were a lot of protests going on, but also kind of a vibe of modern day and the protests and the angst of what's going on today. I think Andor is probably one of those pieces of media that we're going to look back on in 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And people are going to say, no, this is still relevant today as it was when the media came out. Unfortunately. Well, yes, unfortunately. But at the same time, it's still going to hold up. People are going to look at this and say, oh, look, they actually used actors in this star Wars piece instead of a bunch of CGI stuff in the background. And they actually shot this on real locations and not in a, not in an LCD paneled room. Uh, and it, it feels real. It feels, 
It feels yeah. important. And you're right. It is a Star Wars for grownups because unfortunately after, after uh, Empire Strikes Back, it definitely turned in Star Wars turned into let's sell toys and let's make it for kids. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that the first Star Wars was not for kids. Oh no, it was, it was definitely for not for kids. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, because it's an anti, it's an anti Vietnam movie is what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like a bunch of laser sword guys fighting. <laughs> yeah. But that's still, it's not, it's not a uh, Muppet all right. all right, pile all right. on pile on of Muppet after Muppet. We can have that discussion another time. Uh, but I, yeah, no, I would say that once you hit return of the Jedi, then star Wars becomes nothing but kids fair and, and or brings that back around and to a lesser extent, rogue one. Uh, but I think people dismiss rogue one because it had such a downer of an ending. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Andor is just great. And again, if this is something you haven't seen yet, you are hurting yourself because you are not experiencing a fantastic piece. And I will say Andor is not for kids because my youngest son who loves everything Star Wars, sometimes I'll come upstairs and he's humming the, the Imperial March or the Star Wars theme or whatever it is. Um, he sat down and watched it and halfway through the first episode, he's like, can we please turn this off? And he never came back to it. Because the themes are so much higher than pew 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 and fancy Muppets dancing around. So yeah, Andor, Andor's first great. couple episodes are definitely like, hey, uh, let's let's give an out to everybody who doesn't actually want to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that it, it is that it does take three episodes for you to re- realize, oh, this is one long movie just broken mm-hmm. up into three parts is is that second part of that. So. There you go. That is my number one. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? Well, it's not Andor, but I saw the original. It was called Conjunction Junction. They left out but. But here's the thing. My number one is amazing. It is something that, again, I think the the common theme is everything that is on my list is stuff that I didn't expect to like. So when somebody said to me, hey, we're going to watch this movie, and it's got a guy in it who's totally that guy you hate, only he's not, and he's played by that actor you hate, only it's okay because it's got a whole bunch of cool people, and it's got Dave Bautista, and it's got uh, James Bond in it. And I'm like, but I hate James Bond. And they're like, no, 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 you like this. When I sat down to watch Glass Onion, colon, A Knives Out Mystery, uh, first of all, I thought it was 2023, and it wasn't going to make it onto the list. But second of all, throughout i was riveted and every time i've seen someone on the internet complain about the movie the things that they complain about are the things that i loved about the movie like the structure of the movie is literally an hour of here's what's happening And then an hour of, here's what really happened. And people were complaining, well, that's not playing fair with the audience. But it is because it's just the things that we didn't see. We saw everything. We just didn't see it from the right perspective. And I think that's the part that makes it wonderful. A lot of times when you get movies that are, I think of them as uh, the Expendables type movies where Everybody in the movie is a name. Everybody in the movie is somebody big and they're playing a big character. And, you know, you have to literally have lawyers talking for 16 days to figure out how we're going to list everybody. Those are the kind of movies that I'm like, "Mm, pass. But this one, 
was wonderful. This one really stuck with me. I feel like the message, the underlying message uh, was wonderful. I feel like the timing of the message coming just at the point where the person on whom the evil person was clearly based doing something incredibly jackassery stupid was perfect. I feel like I would have gone to the theater for this movie if I knew that it was going to be this good. But I didn't have to because I watched it in my living room. And if you have seen the first uh, Knives Out movie, the movie with uh, Captain America and the girl from, uh, what is it, The Thing, and then the kid from It. and Halloween, all of yeah. Yeah. All the of girl from Halloween. Yeah. Here's the thing you need to know. None of those people come back except for Benoit Blanc. And uh, you may remember him as the detective who talks like Foghorn Leghorn and unravels the whole thing. If you love really, really snappy dialogue, you will enjoy this movie. If you like a movie where you get to the point where you're like, holy moly, I saw that and I didn't know what it meant, this is the movie for you. In fact, go watch this movie. It's good. If you didn't watch it, uh, well, you've still got time. I think it just came out on streaming like 12 minutes ago, which is why I thought it came out in 2020. It came out in December. It was actually in theaters in... What, September? No, it was like October because there was like a 30-day window where you had to wait. And then it was only in the theater for one week. Yeah, so it came out at Thanksgiving. And then it um, dropped on on Netflix on December, on Christmas uh, Day, which was definitely a movie. Again, I love Knives Out. I think it's fantastic. I loved loved Glass Onion as well. Um, still, I think the other things I had on my list kind of beat it out. But I've watched Glass Onion like three or four times already, and it's it's good. Mm -hmm. There's always something to... Uh, catch on subsequent viewings of any of uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, stuff. Uh, also, I enjoyed his Star Wars movie more than all the other Star Wars uh, movies besides uh, Rogue One uh, in recent times, which, you know, hmm. you can you can uh, say what you will, but I thought he understood Star Wars much better than people who think they know Star Wars. So there you go. What do you think, dear listeners? Head over to our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. You can head into our top five channel and you can share your top five media of 2022. What was your favorite game? Your board game, video game? What was your favorite television show, streaming or or broadcast or whatever? What is your favorite movie? Let us know. We'll create your list. Share it over there. Everybody wants to read your list. Why? Because everyone loves lists. Take care and we will see you very soon. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.